All right. If you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to page 330, that's 330, and the Bible's in front of you, we're going to be in the book of 2 Kings of all places. But before we even get there, I want to begin by asking you a very thought-provoking question. If you're ready, say amen. Here we go. What if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that today was going to be your last day on earth? Suppose you only had 24 hours to live. How would you spend your last few hours on this planet? If you knew that you were going to die today, what would you do? Where would you go? Now, friends, this is a very viable question because if you didn't know it, The greatest statistic in the history of all mankind is this. One out of every one dies. Amen? So, would you stay right where you are right now? Or would you hop on a plane and go see someone you love? Would you pick up the phone? Would you call somebody? If you did, who would you call? And what would you say? Today, the Bible shares with us the day that God revealed to the prophet Elijah what would be his last day on earth. But before Elijah passes on and departs for heaven, we find him in the book of 2 Kings chapter 2, walking down the road with his successor, whose name was Elisha. So we have Elijah, and we have Elisha. And as the two are walking... They make several stops along their way that are similar to the stops that we as believers make on our Christian journey. As Elijah and Elisha travel together, we're given a picture of how normal Christians develop, how they grow, and how they progress through the course of of their lives. So let us read about this little journey that Elijah and Elisha made in the chapter, second chapter of 2 Kings, page 330 in the Bibles in front of you. Verse 1, chapter 2. And it came to pass that when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind, that Elisha went with Elisha from Gilgal. Then Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. But Elisha 
said, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they went down to Bethel. Now, the sons of the prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And Elisha said, yes, I know. Keep silent. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so they came to Jericho. Now the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho came to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Keep silent. And then Elijah said to him, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. And 50 men of the sons of the prophets went, and they stood facing them at a distance, while the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, stood facing the Jordan. Now, Elijah took his mantle, that is, his cloak. He took his mantle, and he rolled it up, and he struck the water of the Jordan so that it was divided this way, And that, so that the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, crossed over on dry ground. Does that sound familiar to you? Amen? Moses led God's people across the Red Sea on dry ground. And so, verse 9, it was that when they had crossed over, Elijah said to Elisha, Ask. Ask what I may do for you before I am taken away from you. Elisha said, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. So he said, you've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, then it shall not be so. Verse 11, then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. And so he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and he tore them in pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah. He took up the cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him. And he went back. And he stood by the Jordan River. Then he took that mantle, that cloak of Elijah that had fallen from him, and Elisha struck the water of the Jordan and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he had struck the waters, it was divided this way and that. And Elisha crossed over. We're going to begin by taking a look at each stop that Elijah and Elisha made on Elijah's journey to glory. Amen. And we're going to see how that applies to our Christian lives. So, if you knew you were going to die today, 
can I tell you that you would likely revisit where you came from. You would likely revisit where you came from, what had happened, where you've been that brought you to the place where you are. Now, as Elijah walked with Elisha on his last day, they revisited some places of remembrance, places that Elijah remembered that he had gone through. And just like all new Christians do, the first step, the first stop on Elijah's path to glory was a place called Gilgal. Now, you need to know that Gilgal is the place of new beginnings. Look there in verse 1, it came to pass when the Lord was about to take up Elijah into heaven by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgal, from this place of new beginnings. Now, you need to know that Gilgal was important. It was important because Gilgal was the first place that Israel camped and celebrated after they crossed the Jordan into the promised land. It's here in Gilgal where God renewed his promises to the generation of young people, some of which had walked in the wilderness for the better part of 40 years. But sadly, there are many Christians, many believers, who spend their entire Christian lives in Gilgal. They never grow, and they never leave the place of new beginnings. Oh, they see the work that needs to be done. Oh, they see the needs that people have. They feel the tug of the Spirit of God on their lives, but they never take that next step of serving God with their lives. And so what do they do? They just remain in Gilgal. They're kind of stuck where they started with the Lord. And as a result of being stuck where they started, their lives are fruitless and often unproductive. However, there are some believers that make it on to Bethel. Bethel is the place of complete dedication. Notice there in verse 2 that Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to Bethel. Amen? The place of complete dedication. Did you notice that Elijah is testing Elisha? He wants to see whether or not Elisha is going to be faithful to the very end. After Elijah died, would Elisha get overwhelmed with this tremendous responsibility? Or would he jump ship and just quit on God? I've seen a lot of people come to the Lord at Gilgal, establish their new beginnings, only when the complete dedication part came, they jumped ship and they quit on God. So this was a test of loyalty, but it was also a test of resolve. Resolve, it was Elijah's way of saying, listen, Elijah, I'm about to leave you. I'm about to leave you. Can you handle it? Can you handle this ministry? I'm getting ready to hand off to you. This was the first step, the first test that Elijah tells Elisha to stay behind in Gilgal. Stay behind in that place of new beginnings because I'm getting ready to go to Bethel, that place of complete dedication, and I'm going by myself. But guess what? Elisha wouldn't hear of it. He wouldn't hear of it. Instead, he insisted that he would go with Elijah and prove 
his faithfulness to God. You see, that is kind of what, in our, if I take a side trip, um, that is what tithing is all about. That is what tithing is all about. Listen, God don't need your money. How many of you know that? He don't need your money. Amen. But what he wants to do is he does want to see if you are loyal. God does want to see if you are committed to the call of God on your life. God does want to see if you're going to be faithful to him with all that he's given you to the point where you're willing to give back a tenth. Just a tenth of all that he's given you. Have you reached that place of complete dedication? Gilgal. That's the place of new beginnings. And you know, we all start there. We all start the place of new beginnings. But then we've got to move on. We've got to move on to Bethel, the place of complete dedication. And when we do, we're called to move to that place where we commit all that we are, all that we have to the glory of God. It's all about Him. It's all about new beginnings, moving to complete dedication. But then as Elijah did, often believers often travel to Jericho. Jericho is the place of past victories. Look in verse 4. Then Elijah said to him, Elijah, stay here, please. For the Lord has sent me on to Jericho, the place of past victories. Once again. Elijah is testing Elisha, asking him to remain in Bethel while he travels some 15 miles on to Jericho. But again, Elisha ain't letting Elijah go by himself. He's going with him. Twice now, Elijah has tried to test Elisha, getting him to stay put while Elijah moved on to glory. Amen? But twice, Elisha has refused and moved on with it. Now, Jericho is important. Jericho is important because that's where God's people had their first military victory after they crossed the Jordan into the Promised Land. That's important. You remember Jericho, right? Everybody remember Jericho? That city of enormous walls, right, that stood in the way of God's people receiving the promises of God? And then what happened? God proved himself faithful, and without raising a single sword, without raising a single sword, those walls fell flat, and the people of God received the promises of God. But you know, sometimes we as believers, we're guilty of holding on to our Jericho. Sometimes we're guilty of trying to live in the glory of past victory had a good time then, and so we just live on that. We rest on our laurels, as it were. We remember what happened then, but we forget something. We forget that the same God who blessed us then is the same God that wants to bless us now in this time. He's still with us. But friend, we cannot live today in the glory of what happened yesterday. We've got to move on. We've got to grow grow from our new beginnings, become completely dedicated, and we've got to let go of those past victories so that we can move on to the Jordan, the place of moving forward. Look in verse 6. 
Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, please, for the Lord has sent me on to the Jordan. To the Jordan for the third time now, Elijah is tested, Elisha, trying to convince him that he should stay behind. But for the third time, Elisha was absolutely determined that he wasn't going to stay behind. He was going to go on to glory with Elijah. Now that should serve as one more huge example for me and you. Uh, we who desire the Lord's blessings on our ministry here ought to look to this example. Because we don't look back at what happened yesterday. Some great things happened in the history of Bethel. Would y'all agree with that? Great things have happened in the history of Bethel. But we don't stay there. We don't cling to those past victories. Instead, we move forward in the strength of God. We move forward in the will of God. We move forward for the glory of God. We don't cling to yesterday's victories. Now, the Jordan River is very important. It's very important because the Jordan River is what once stood in the way of God's people receiving his promises. But listen, there ain't nothing natural, there ain't nothing physical, there ain't nothing man-made that can ever stand in the way if God's people will just surrender and trust in what God has promised. That's us. That's me and you. Y'all, do you see how Elijah's journey is symbolic? It kind of gives us a view of the Christian's life. Think about this. First, we all have to have those Gilgal experiences, right? We all have to have those Gilgal experiences where we first meet Jesus. But then, as we grow in the Lord, we come to the place like Bethel where we commit ourselves and desire to walk with him in all faithfulness and all dependence on God. And then as we do that, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have some Jericho experiences. You ever had a Jericho experience before? You ever had a Jericho experience before when you knew that it had to be God, that it couldn't be done unless it was God? You ever had one of those before? That's a Jericho experience where it had to be God or it wasn't going to get done. And then eventually, we realize that we can't live today in the glory of what happened yesterday. So what do we do? We move on. And we face our own Jordan. We face our own Jordan. Something that stands in the way. Eventually we're all going to face something that's going to stand in the way of what God wants to do through us. You're going to find something. It might be your own selfish will. It might be your own rebellion. It might be your own sin. It might be somebody else. But somebody, somehow, some way, is standing in the way of you doing all that God has created you to do. When that happens, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Elijah moves forward. Elisha moves forward with him promises of God from his life. So listen, before you come to the end of your journey, before you come to the end of your days, there are going to be many times when, like Elijah, you're going to stop and you're going to remember where you came from. And that's okay, but you can't stay there. Because notice that Elijah's walk down memory lane on his last day made Elisha do something pretty incredible. 
That little walk down memory lane made Elisha request a double portion of the Spirit. Look at there in verse 8. Now Elijah took his mantle, his cloak, rolled it up, struck the water, and it was divided this way and that, so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask. Ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, "Let Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And so he said, You've asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it'll be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so for you. So after performing this last miracle, parting the Jordan River by touching it with his cloak, Elijah makes Elisha an incredible offer. Elijah says to Elisha, Son, God takes me from you. And without batting an eye, Elijah says, please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. Now, I read that and it kind of sounded like, man, Elisha's being a little greedy. Amen. Sounds like Elisha was wanting twice as much as what God had given Elijah. But we have to understand that in reality, Elisha realizes that he's going to need twice as much of God's help if he's ever going to do what Elijah had begun. I want to tell you something today, church. If we're going to carry on what Bethel Baptist Church has begun, we are going to need a double portion, amen? If not a triple portion of what God has done in our predecessors. Because you see, like Elisha, this present generation, we should desire more of the Spirit than the last. They had a lot, but we want more. But like Elisha, Elijah, we should also desire, listen to this, that the next generation have more of the Spirit than we got. Are you praying for more than the last so that you can give the next more than you have? Elijah responds. He says, son, you've asked a very hard thing. In other words, you've asked for something that only God can give. But friends, listen, if we're going to get it, we've got to move beyond the understandable. We've got to move beyond the explainable. We've got to move beyond the man-made and start praying some prayers that only God can give. I'm guilty of not praying that way. I'm guilty of praying things that I can do. Ministries that I can lead. But I need to start praying for things that only God can give. Do you remember just a few months after the Lord Jesus ascended into heaven? The Bible says, And the Lord added to the church daily, those who are being saved. Have you ever prayed that the Lord would add to Bethel daily those who are being saved? I doubt it. You know why? Because that's a hard thing. Amen. That's something only God can do. 
But I want to tell you this. If God can appear in the midst of a burning bush, if God can part the Red Sea, if he can make bitter, sweet, bitter water sweet, if he can send bread from heaven, if he can bring water from a rock, if he can give victory in the eyes of defeat, if the Lord can turn water into wine, if he can heal the sick, if he can make the lame to walk, if he can make the blind to see, if he can cast out a thousand demons, if he can feed five thousand, if he can raise the dead, then I say that he can make people in Bethel be saved daily. The Lord can add to the church daily those who problem is, if you're like me, I hadn't been trusting God for those things. Furthermore, I hadn't been requesting that God do those things. Instead, I feebly try to do those things in my own power. I try to do those things that only that I think I can do, but that simply won't do got to move beyond our own feeble attempts to do God's work. we got to move beyond our own feeble attempts to tap into God's spirit so that we do God's work, God's way for his glory. But how in the world do we do that? Well, Elisha, he just asked. He just asked for a double portion. He just asked for what God could on our journey to glory. Elijah, like Elijah, we ought to remember where we came from. But like Elisha, we also ought to be busy requesting what only God can give. Why? Because while it may not be today, at some point, some of you, sooner than others, we have to remember that we're all going to be replaced. Look at verse 11. Then it happened. One of these days, somebody's going to write that about you. Then it happened. As they continued on and talked, and suddenly, suddenly, a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it. And he cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. But he also took up that mantle, the cloak of Elisha that had fallen from him. And he went back and he stood by the bank of Jordan. mantle rolled up in hand looking at the flood waters of the Jordan wondering how in heaven's name am I going to get across and he took up that mantle of Elisha that had fallen from him and went back stood by the bank of the Jordan then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and he struck the water and he said where is the Lord God of Elisha and when he had struck the water, he divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. So how did Elijah get to heaven? People say, oh, he, he hopped on the chariot of fire and it took him to heaven. Well,
Well, we just learned that it carried a fire. That wasn't how it happened. Verse 11 doesn't say that Elijah got into the chariot of fire and, and was toted off to heaven. No, Elijah was actually taken into heaven by a whirlwind. But it really doesn't matter. Because either way, but the point is this, Elijah had to leave before Elisha could take up his ministry. And I can tell you, it is the same in every generation since Elijah and Elisha. Leaders rise and leaders fall. Leaders lead and leaders fight the good fight. They fight the battle for God. And then at their appointed hour, they move off the scene. And they are replaced. They are replaced by others that God has raised up. Can I tell you that none of us is irreplaceable in the kingdom of God. No matter how important you think you are, no matter how important others think you are, whether it be to a work, to a church, to a family, or to a nation, there ain't but one who is indispensable, and his name is Jesus. So sooner or later, sooner or later, God is going to remove us. God is going to remove us and all that's going to be left is what you've passed on to the next generation. All that's going to be left is what you've passed on to the next generation. Think about the courage it took for Elisha to stand at the shores of that Jordan. Elijah's cloak in hand for him to hit that Jordan River with. He'd seen Elijah separate those waters. But Elijah was gone. But can I tell you that Elijah's God was still living? So let me ask you this. If this was your last day, if this was your last day, how would you What would you do? Just make no mistake about it. This could be your last day. This could be our last day. For those of us who know the Lord, death don't hold no fear on us. I'm ready to go when the Lord's ready for me to go. But we need to realize that our time on this planet, no matter how long it may seem, it's nothing but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. And so therefore, your opportunity to live for something eternal, listen to me, y'all, is very limited. Your opportunity to live for something eternal is very, very limited. Have you been a good steward of the life you've been given? Or have you been living your life for something temporary? Have you been living your life for something eternal? Or worse yet, have you been living your life exclusively for yourself? 
Am I like Elijah? Am I like Elijah seeking to bless the next generation right up until the time that God sends that chariot of fire to take me home? Am I like Elijah? Or am I like Elisha? Committed to the call upon my life no matter what. It's not either or. It's and. God demands both. He demands that you seek to bless the next generation while you commit your life to Him no matter what. God gave His all so that He could have a relationship There's nothing greater that God could have given to ensure that we had an opportunity to have a relationship with God. So listen, you've lived your life for yourself long enough. You've lived your life for yourself long enough. It's high time that we get past being stuck where we started and come to the place of complete dedication, looking past the victories of the past, and cross the challenges that face us in the future. Today's the day for you to commit your life to God so that He can bless this generation. you is your ministry. Are you hearing me? Who will replace you is your ministry. It may be the little ones. It may be the middle ones. It may be the youth group. It may be other adults. It may be young couples. It doesn't matter. But who will replace you is demand.